This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Mark Willard, and this is Inside Giant Moments, presented by T-Mobile, an official San Francisco Giants podcast. In season one, we looked back at some of the most iconic moments in franchise history. Now, it's time to focus on the present and future. We'll cover memorable wins and the off-field moments, interests, and personalities of the 2021 Giants team and staff. Join us for season two of Inside Giant Moments, now. One thing is clear with the success of the current Giants regime. They value depth. That means constant roster updates and improvements. That also means a lot of new faces each year. One of the most significant new faces this year is the man who closes games from the left side, Jake McGee, who brings a plus fastball and a local flavor, having been born in San Jose before growing up just outside Reno. How has the Giants experience been for you so far? Uh, It's been great. It's been everything is advertised, you know, in the free agency. And, you know, they wanted me to come here and I want to come here after, you know, getting to know a little bit their staff and, you know, just the core veterans they have here, too, is great. Uh, born in San Jose but raised in Nevada. Do you consider yourself a Bay Area guy? Uh, no, I, I consider myself a, like a Reno. I always say Reno. I uh, yeah. grew up in Sparks right next to Reno. But grew up in Reno, that's all I really remember. I went there when I was two years old, so definitely Reno. Biggest little city in the world. What was that like uh, through childhood? No, uh, it was it, – I tell people now, I was like, it's just once you go somewhere else, you're like, oh, wow, everything, everywhere else isn't as crazy as this, you know, because Reno's just a 24-hour city. You can, you know, do whatever you want, but it, it, it teaches you to, you know, be good about some decisions, that's for sure. I, I bet. That's kind of an interesting dynamic, I would think. I've always wondered about people who live in spots that are that are totally based on tourism. Do you, you probably didn't do a whole lot of what tourists do when they go there, did you? No, that's why, like, Eleven, you know, wants to go to Vegas and Reno to the casinos. But growing up around them, like, you know, being in them here and there, like, you, you're like, ah, it's a casino. I've been there, done that. So. <laughs> right. Well, wh- when yeah. did baseball become your main thing? Uh, probably when I was, uh, like, 12, 13, playing Little League. I uh, started to get a lot more serious with it. Got, like, a, like a pitching coach and, um, you know, just started to do all that, my foundation and do all my arm stuff. And, you know, just got a lot more serious with it. And then started focusing on pitching way more when I was like 16 and then started doing travel ball to get seen more, you know, cause it's in Reno, it's a little harder to be seen. We don't, we don't play a lot of games. So that's kind of amazing that you didn't really start fully focusing on pitching until age 16, because you, you started your pro career before you even turned 18, didn't you? Yeah, I started my pro career when I was 17. Um, went straight to the Appalachian League, and, you know, first roommate was like 24, 25 years old, 50 years <laughs> senior, so it was, it was, a, it was a pretty pretty big wake-up call, but I'm glad I, glad I signed it all uh, all worked out, man. So. 
What kind of a challenge was that to to leave home at that age? Um, it was hard, but um, you know, just being in the clubhouse with all the guys and having a routine day to day, you know, it just I just put all my focus in that, um, just trying to become a better pitcher and you know, and it grow year to year. And you know, I knew I was going to be in the minor leagues for a few years since I signed so early, so it's good to develop, you know. There's there's some real maturity baked into what you're saying though, because to be away from home, to be in that sort of ball player fraternity at that age, and and not have it go haywire is <laughs> is pretty impressive. So, like, what what characteristics that are in you helped you do that? Uh, for me, just trying to stay focused in my goals, what I want to get done, and like where I wanted to be, like I always wanted to play in the big leagues and that was my goal. And, you know, I always try to set certain goals every year to try to meet them. And, you know, I just feel like I can always get better. And, like, even this year, I feel like I want to get better every year, Um, just never being satisfied, you know. Uh, And then, as you mentioned, you'd spend some time in the minors, but then when you get to the bigs, uh, I heard your debut was a pretty crazy experience against the Yankees. Yeah, it was uh, pretty crazy to say the least. <laughs> but it, uh, um, I ended up striking out Derek Jeter with the bases loaded. Um, I think I had like three walks total. I went out for the next inning and walked, I think, Curtis Granderson. Um, but I think um, the rest of the season, I got called up in September 14th. But the rest of the season, I didn't, I didn't give up another run. That was the only, only run I gave up all year. So When they called you in, so you're warming up. What's the situation? You come into the game, and are there are a couple runners on base already? What what was going on? Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm trying to think. I'm pretty sure it was first and second. And then, then yeah, who's up at that Uh, point? Um, it was uh, it was uh, it was the middle of September, so I was uh, it was a guy who I remember. I think I faced in Triple A, and he's in the big leagues at the Yankees. I'm trying to remember his name. Um, but then after I walked him, I saw Derek Jeter was coming up, and I was like, oh. I was like, oh no! <laughs> but actually, finally, I threw him a threw him a first pitch curveball. Um, I've been always been known to throw him a fastball, so that's pretty good. Uh, pretty yeah. good memory, what I think of it. So, yeah, and he probably he probably was like, where where'd that come from? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, I heard your dad was pretty emotional when you joined the Giants. Yeah, he was he was excited about it. You know, just I was on the Giants and like when I was twelve, thirteen years old, and, you know, playing little league teams and. Just being so close, it was a, a lot of Giants and Giants fans in Reno. Um, you know, my dad, dad was happy for me. I know once it becomes a business, you probably move away from those kind of thoughts to uh, to a certain degree, if not all the way. But but the fact that that you did have that background, the Giants was a comfortable organization. Did that factor into your decision at all? Yeah, it factored in uh, factored in a little bit, um, but it's a the thing I wanted to come with the Giants the most is the was the younger staff and the, the analytical side of it and the mixture of players I you know I kind of saw in the roster was really appealing to. I felt like we you know we have a good chance to win a lot of games this year and we're proving it pretty early, which has been pretty awesome. Uh, what was the free agent experience like, especially coming off such an odd season? Yeah, it was different. Um, I didn't mine didn't really heat up till like. Uh, a few weeks before our spring training started, and then I had a whole bunch, whole bunch of call, teams calling at the same time and then got multiple offers within, like, a few days after all the teams started calling. And then, you know, I had to weigh, weigh my decisions on 
where I wanted to be in the country, what team I want to go with, how, you know, how they're set up uh, staff-wise and opportunity-wise. And, you know, it's, uh, the Giants said they'd give me opportunity to close it. I'd pitch how I usually do, and it's been working out. Yeah, absolutely. And then what about off the field? Let me let me start with the family situation. What's it like being a girl dad? No, it's awesome. Uh, my wife and daughter, they're, you know, they're here in San Francisco too, and they're so close, you know, they can go back and forth to Reno if they want to. Um, just just being a father in general is awesome. She'll be uh, seven in July. Um, she has her last week of school in a few weeks, um, so it'll be good. They'll be, able, be out here full time, so. And how would you describe your parenting style? Um, me and my wife parent really, really well together. Um, I think that's our strongest thing is that we, we agree on a lot of parenting things and, you know, we aren't, we aren't, we aren't too strict, so it's just good. Yeah, that's definitely good. Um, and then what about w- w- when you're all together and you're not playing baseball? What's, what's your favorite off-season activity? Um, this off-season was pretty uh, hectic because we sold our house in Florida and moved to Reno. Yeah. Um, but once we kind of got settled in in Reno, um, you know, if we'd take our, take our daughter up to, uh, up to the ski resorts and like have her, like she's learning how to snowboard. And then, uh, my wife uh, rides horses too. So I'd go out with her to the barn. Um, so just doing that in general and mixing it in with all my workouts. Um, it was pretty cool to have that routine. You're staying off the slopes though, aren't you? You're not doing that, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. I'm, uh... I'm a, I'm a wait time retire, so I just yeah. joked with my daughter. I was like, "You you can teach me how to snowboard once I you know once I'm able to." So right, <laughs> yeah. Um, all right, let's get into the anatomy of a closer. What does that job take? Um, I I feel like it just takes uh, focus and um, throwing strikes and getting ahead. Because if you know, in your one run game, and you walk the first guy, and then takes steal second, and all of a sudden a blue pits is a tie game. So I think it's throwing strikes and being in the zone um, and just having the composure to be able to slow things down. Um, like even some of the young guys in the team are talking about it saying, you just, if you, if it gets too quick out there, it ever, all the wheels fall off usually. So, yeah. So that composure, slowing things down, how do you do that? What, what tools do you use? Uh, me, I do a lot of breathing um, and try to focus on my breathing to kind of slow everything down. Um, because we, uh, we actually have, like, a breathing coach here this year, which has been, been pretty cool to utilize, utilize him and uh, learn a lot more about that. Is that something that you're utilizing once you're in the game a lot more or before you enter? Um, I used to just do it a little bit during the game, but this year I've um, used it a lot more um, during the game, uh, especially, like, a, if it's a bigger moment. I'll, when I look down, I try to, like, focus on my breath and, you know, breathe in, like, deeper in my chest and, um, and it helps me calm down and, like, kind of get my body ready even more. So, uh, I want to hear more about this breathing, Coach. What are those interactions mm-hmm. like? What What do you guys talk about? Uh, well, he uh, shows a, showed me a few different techniques and kind of explains how the um, oxygen, get more oxygen in the blood, and you use certain breaths, like five in, five out, like five reps of that, and then blow out and hold the hold the last one out. And then you can like jog in place, and then when you breathe back in, all the uh, cells go and oxygenate all your muscles, and it keeps you loose and free. Um, 
So any advantage I can get was, is, a, is a good thing. So. Yeah, absolutely. And are you noticing a difference? Yeah, actually, I've felt a, felt a pretty big difference, especially when uh, when I start stretching the bullpen and doing the breathing, and the body just feels looser and freer. Uh, it's been pretty cool. That's awesome. Once mm-hmm. once you close and you sort of wrap your mind around mentally what you need to do for that situation, are mm-hmm. games that you enter that are not safe situations a little bit different? Uh, no, I try to treat all of them the same. Um, you know the Obviously, the adrenaline is a little different in some of those games, but I still try to try to keep everything the same and simplify my process and, you know, trying to throw high fastballs and throw my slider when I need to. So. Uh, you've made reference to it a couple of times here about the fastball, your, your reliance mm-hmm. on it. I know it's a question that's on the minds of many Giants fans. How can mm-hmm. you be so successful while relying so much on, on one pitch? It, it would seem, I think, for a fan – like the hitters sitting there going, well, I, I know it's coming. I just got to, I got to time it up. So how do you do that? Um, well, for me, it's, you know, I've worked on my slider quite a bit. I've used it more this year, but yep. um, I have last year, I learned what, how I'm able to throw a fastball and everyone knows it's coming. Um, it's because my fastball has really good vertical and horizontal on it. And if I throw it at the top of the zone, it's a lot harder for the hitters to, to stay on top of two planes. Usually they, they're like, oh, it rises, the vertical is really good, so just aim your bat a little higher and start your swing higher, but it's hard for them to do both with my fastball. And is that something with your motion that just came naturally, or did you have to work on creating that? How'd you do it? Um, it just came naturally, and, you know, and I was always like that in my league, still only through, you know, 85 percent 85 90 percent fastballs as a starter in the minor leagues um and then when i went to colorado it, i started to get on the side of the ball a little more and then uh when i went to the dodgers they're like all right let's get you back to where you were with tampa um and then i've been able to stay on top of that which has been awesome uh yeah you mentioned the colorado experience which uh which you know i mean you were there for a while so i think you you've had your your good moments and and struggles there how much of it was just Colorado. I mean, I know that's obviously a very difficult place to pitch. Um, it was, it was. A, I think it was half Colorado, then half like me not having my really good stuff too. Okay, um, and no knowing where my hand placement should be and stay on top of the ball more. Um, it was kind of a mixture of both. Like you're, you're going to give up, have a four or five spot once or twice a year in Colorado. It's, it's pretty <laughs> much a given. It's going to happen. Right. <laughs> you're just going right. to have to men- mentally be strong for that, but. I feel like overall it's you know it's a tough place to pitch, but you know it's hard on your body. But I think overall it's a good experience. I'm glad you brought that up. I you know the game uh, recently, the second game of the doubleheader, where uh, the ball just got rolling in the wrong direction there in the bottom of the seventh, and Blackman hit the mm-hmm. the walk off. I sort of uh, on the show after the game, I said, look, this is it's baked in to the Giants' schedule every year. You're going to have at least one last inning mm-hmm. explosion where it's just like that it is such a snowball effect once it gets going you can't seem to stop it is that is that a thing in colorado that just happens a lot yeah um that's what i was talking to some of the guys after and you it's it's kind of weird because you kind of see it happening and like see it and you're like oh no like then it's like a blue pit <laughs> blue pit like when uh, right. prone hit that blue pit the right field i feel like that's caught in 29 other ballparks except for Colorado <laughs> and you just see it and you're like oh man it's just 
sometimes it just it seems inevitable at the time when you're in Colorado. So. Yep, yep, it sure yeah. does. Giants fans know it very well. Uh, how about this group of relievers? How are you guys all gelling? I feel like we're gelling really well. Um, you know, we have a pretty pretty young young group down there, but I feel like we have a me and Rogers, and then Duvall's been filling in with his stuff. Really electric. Um, no, you know, we have a we have a pretty deep pen, which has been awesome. Uh, how would you describe the group? A loose group, quiet, loud. What what's it like during a game down there? Uh, it's probably one of the more quiet groups you got. Um, you know, but very loose. Um, Craig Alvin, as our bullpen coach, keeps it real loose down there. Um, you know, it's good to have bullpen loose like that. No one no one seems to be uptight. Everyone knows what they need to do, and you know that always makes it makes it work a lot much better. And then you guys are off to a heck of a start. And I've talked to enough people from the team. I know that this isn't really surprising you. Maybe it's surprising the general baseball public. And and, and we're still very uh, early in this process. But how would you describe what it is you guys are doing well and where's your confidence level that it's going to last all year? I think with our uh, core veterans in our lineup and then, you know, our starting staff, are, you know, I kept telling them, like, they're all – they're all on one-year deals and want to prove themselves and go out and pitch really well. <clears throat> and then with our bullpen, they've, they've been putting us in really good situations. And I feel like our, our starters keep going deep. And then our offense has heated up the last week and a half. Um, I think once everything clicks, which I don't even think everything's fully clicked on every cylinder yet, which is awesome. Um, so I feel like it's pretty sustainable throughout the year. So you think there's, there's more in the tank for this team? Yeah, I think so. Once we start ever, everything working together, you know, at the same time, I think there's a good chance we go on a pretty good run. Okay, quick pause to tell you about our sponsor, T-Mobile, one of our favorite partners because of how relevant they are to Giants fans. Because you're never far from McCovey Cove when you've got America's largest and fastest 5G network. In other words, T-Mobile is your ticket to the game, whether you're home or away. The Giants are big league Why don't you come on up and join them? Switch to T-Mobile, the leader in 5G. Fastest 5G by Open Signal Awards based on average speeds in USA 5G Experience Report January 2021. See 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. And now back to Inside Giant Moments. Another big piece to the Giants' depth puzzle is a guy who was acquired just before the season started. He brings to the table the Giants' signature versatility as he can play multiple positions on the infield. He also has shown a flair for the dramatic as his first big league home run this year proved to be a game winner in Arizona. Here's my conversation with Jason Vossler. First and foremost, congrats on the big leagues. Take us through how you got the news. Thank you. Yeah, so... um... I was on the taxi squad for that Miami and Philly trip. Um, and then I went back to, to the alternate site the next day. And during that practice, they had called me out and they said, hey, um, they might need you in San Francisco tonight, but you're going to need to drive over there and kind of wait it out and just see if they actually need you or not. So it was kind of – and I actually ended up having to wait about 24 hours um, – just to see if they needed me or not. So I waited around there, got the call a couple hours before the game from Cap, and then uh, called my parents and girlfriend real quick and then raced over there and uh, 
you know, got ready as quick as I could. I had plenty of time to get ready, but it was definitely felt like things were speeding up a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) As exciting as that is, I'm sitting here listening to you thinking, this is probably not how you envisioned it a decade ago. Phrases like taxi squad and alternate site, like this is this didn't exist before. Like what happened here, right? I know it's it's a weird time, but I guess it's weird for everybody, right? So everyone's doing things differently now and now in days. But uh, no, I couldn't ask for a a better debut. It was, it was perfect. <laughs> did, did you have any time at all because of the rush nature of that? Did you have some time to emotionally sit with what had taken place? Um, yeah, you know what? Kind of during because I didn't start that game, so during the game I kind of did. Where you know I got out there for you know, 10 minutes before the game or 20 minutes before the game and kind of just looked all around. And then the first six or seven innings, uh, you know, I wasn't starting. So I was just kind of appreciating where I was. So I think that was my my moment of like, wow, this is unbelievable, even though I hadn't gotten into the game yet or anything. So it was good to have that. And it was also great to just kind of get that first at-bat out of the way day one. Right. The bat out of the way day one. And then if I'm not mistaken, day two, your first big league hit, right? Take, take us through that moment. Uh, yeah. So actually the at bat before my first big league hit, I hit one to center field pretty good. It got caught on the track and I thought I thought I hit it out. So I was oh. rounding first base like, oh, my God, this is my first hit's going to be a home run. But, yeah, it was caught by, uh, I think, Duvall at the at the wall. But, uh, yeah, so then the next at bat, I got up and, yeah, I was feeling pretty good about my swing, and I kind of just uh, blooped one into right field, and the right fielder kind of gave up on it a little bit, it looked like. But you know what? It fell, hit the grass, so it's good for me. And, you know, we got the ball, got it framed, and or not framed, but encased. And, right. uh, no, it was a pretty special moment. So baseball, right? You crush one to straightaway center 400 feet, <laughs> you, you don't get anything, and then you bloop one in, and that's the ball that ends up in a uh, in a case. Exactly, right? I mean, it's the perfect – the perfect metaphor for baseball. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's been seven years since draft day when you yeah. went to the Chicago Cubs. What has the whole journey been like through through the minors for you? You know, it's been it's been a fun ride. I mean, I've met some amazing people, and you know, I always get the question of like, or you know, a couple of years ago, like, oh, how much longer are you going to stick it out? And you know, how tough is the minor leagues? And for me, to be honest, I, I always had a blast doing it. Like, I was gonna. I was going to play until they tell me tell me I couldn't anymore. Um, you know, I just I, I just had I had fun and I was taking it day by day and I was never be, I'm not beating myself up, but I was never like mad that I wasn't in the big leagues. I was just trying to do whatever I could that day to get there. But I really enjoyed the whole process and hopefully continue and enjoy it. Yeah, I mean that that sounds like a perfect attitude for for what you're experiencing now because as we mentioned, taxi squads and alternate sites, you're there for a few days, yeah. you get sent back out. I would imagine your your confidence is pretty high that, that you you know, you you've got some more visits to the big club coming this year, but but how are you processing the the role that you have this season? Yeah, I mean, I'm kind of just going to do what the team needs for me. You know, when they if they need me up, I'll be there doing whatever they need. And if I'm down in AAA, I'll be, you know, working and getting my at-bats and innings in and, you know, working on just getting back. Um, for now, uh, I'm, I'm still on the taxi squad now, so I'm in, I'm in Colorado with the team right now. But, uh, yeah, just still going to continue to do whatever I could do on a day-to-day basis just to keep improving and then, you know, keep doing things that the team needs. Can can I hear? Because I bet the fans would love this. Um, 
because it's so new, like the, the life of the taxi squad. So you're with the team, but you're not on the roster. So what does this look like when, you, when you're with them? And, and, and how, how do you find out whether you're, you're on that squad or you're not? I, I, paint this picture for us. Uh, yeah, so, well, the first taxi squad I was on, I found out just by a phone call um, the night before. They said, you know, head over to San Francisco and, you know, hop on the flight. And then this time I was already in San Diego when I got sent down, so I kind of just stayed on the on the taxi squad. But, yeah, a typical day is it's pretty much the exact same as everybody else does. You know, you go to the park, you get ready, you eat a little bit, you might get a lift in, you go out, you take batting practice, ground balls with the team and everything. The only real difference is you can't be out in the dugout during the game. So you don't go out and watch the game. You kind of hang out in the clubhouse and watch on the TVs, or you head back to the hotel and watch there. But – yeah, it's a pretty similar day just without the game. Got it. So it's kind of almost like a practice squad thing in football or something. Like you're with the team, but you just – that's, you know, game time, you, you head somewhere else. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Okay. So you're still, you're still getting some good work in. You're, you're, you're getting to be around the guys, so you're not feeling like you're not re- – I mean, you know, you're not there for the game, so you don't feel 100% of the part of the team, but at least you're not so far away that, you know, it's like – when you come up to the big leagues, it feels like you haven't seen the guys in forever. So it's kind of a nice little in-between for, for when they're on the road. But who knows how long the taxi squad will last. I'm not sure right. if this is going to be a full-year thing or, or what. But either way, it's, it's been a cool experience. Uh, great to hear sort of the positivity that you have with regard to your entire minor league experience. Um, we have a little something in common, by the way. Our professional lives both got started with the Boise Hawks. I, I, I was a broadcaster there when when they were uh, in the Angels organization back in the late 90s. Then the, yeah, then they're with the Cubs, and, and, and that's where you started as well. What are your memories of that squad? I love Boise. You know, it was funny. Like, I got drafted, and then – you know, they said you're heading out to Boise, and I'm like, man, I never thought I'd be going to Idaho from New York. Like, I just, it was such a foreign place to me. But uh, when I got there, I had a host family that picked me up from the airport, and they were unbelievable. I had a great summer living with them. Um, I still keep in touch with them now, and I love Boise. I thought it was like ex- far exceeded my expectations. I, not that I really even had any. I didn't know anything right. about it, but it was it was a it was an absolutely like awesome place and a great place to play baseball. Yeah, yeah, I had the same experience. Zero expectations helps because yeah. I didn't have any either, and I had never been there either. And then all of a sudden you get the call and you're like, so you're going to work in, in Idaho. And I got in a car and drove <laughs> yeah. all the way there from the Bay Area. And, uh, yeah, it was an unbelievable experience. So, uh, yeah, it's you a know, cool little city. Yeah, it really is. And, it, you know, talking also about your, your minor league experience, it might have been a few years later, you know, you, just in listening to you talk about that, uh, what you thought was going to be your first big league hit, you thought it was a home run. You really turned yourself somewhere along the line into a better power hitter. Statistically, it looks like something happened in 2017. But but what's your memory of that of that process and, and what did happen along the road? Uh, yeah, I actually – that the year before I think I hit three home runs in a full season and I kind of went back that off season and I just said to myself I'm like well you know I'm not batting 380 I think I was batting 250 I was like I better learn how to hit some home runs and you know I I didn't really this was kind of like just as like the lunch angle thing was happening and that was never really something I necessarily bought into but I really started to study swings of great hitters um 
and just take little things from each of them. You know, everybody always asks, like, what was the biggest thing? But there, there really was no, like, huge thing that I took that changed everything. It was kind of just little tweaks throughout that whole offseason that they really made a big difference. And then just during batting practice and uh, my cage work in the offseason and during the season, I, I really did focus on just almost trying to hit some home runs to center or, or high or rising line drives to center field, whereas – in the past, my first couple of rounds might have been ground balls opposite way or low line drives opposite way. And then, you know, now it's more, I'll still go opposite way, but, you know, I'm really trying to get those balls that are driven in the gaps in batting practice or are driven over the fence. So it wasn't really like, hey, I'm going to hit five balls. It was more of a, I'm going to stop hitting ground balls. <laughs> that makes sense. Right. And then yeah. and then a couple couple tweaks here and there. And, you know, and then I, I was able to start hitting some home runs. I read about some of the hitters you studied, Justin Turner, Joey Votto, J.D. Martinez. There might have been some others, but how did you go about selecting who you studied? I just – I go with the best. Like, so, you know, everybody in the big leagues is obviously really good, but I'm trying to study the best of the best in the big leagues because I feel like to have that success with such good pitching and good competition around, like your swing has got to be pretty good. So, I mean, Barry Bonds, Mike Trout, Pujols, you could add those guys in there too. Miguel Cabrera. Like I, I really do tend to lean towards the, the best, you know, the top 1% of the top 1%. Um, but that doesn't stop me from even like checking out, you know, some like uh, college teammate swings or minor league teammate swings, you know, on, on the video after the game. Like I just really like have a, I really enjoy just kind of breaking down swings and looking at swings. So it's become like a hobby of mine. Uh, how did this world start for you? When did you start loving baseball? Uh, pretty early on. I mean, I was a diehard Yankees fan growing up, diehard Derek Jeter fan. And I think that kind of, you know, I never missed a game probably from age like four or five till, till probably high school when I started playing more baseball. But yeah, it was baseball and hockey growing up that I really, really loved. And uh, all my attention and everything I did was, you know, revolved around those two sports. So, yeah, it started pretty young. I was always into it. Uh, by the way, you mentioned growing up a, a huge Yankees fan. Uh, kind of a stigma that comes with that. Do you get eye rolls from fans of any other team? <laughs> what do you mean? How's well, going? I mean, Yankee fan, right? Like everybody else hates the Yankees. I know their rival uh, is the Red Sox, but I, I feel like every team – and their fan base sort of doesn't like the Yankees. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I know what you mean. I, I think, you know, now so much, I'm not really I, – I don't really follow the Yankees. I think probably starting in, like, college, I kind of lost that – not interest in the Yankees, but I started to, like, know players in the major leagues. Right. I kind of started to just root <laughs> – root for the individual players than a team. So I'm not really a Yankee fan anymore, but I do know what you mean with that. But growing up, oh, I would have, I was a diehard. I would have wore, you know, Yankee hat in Fenway. I would have done it all. I was diehard Yankee fan. Well, and, and, and you now shake free of, of not just Yankee fandom, but I mean, you're, you're an East coast guy that now is, is really on the West coast. You had some time with the Padres, the giants. We mentioned Boise, like how, how is, how is that part fitting with you? You know, I, I love it. I, I really like the, the whole, uh, you know, in the minor leagues too, I really like that because of baseball, I've gotten to experience living in all different parts of the country. Yeah, you know, I've lived in the Midwest, the South, the West. You know, I'm really covering it all. So it's, it's pretty cool because I don't know exactly where I want to live when I'm older, but uh, yeah. 
I have a good good basis of knowledge of a bunch of different cities and a bunch of different coasts and and all that. So and I have baseball to thank for that. So it's pretty cool. But yeah, as far as San Fran, I, I mean, I I've loved it so far from what I've checked out. I haven't uh, haven't done too much there yet. But I mean, the ballpark you can't beat there. I mean, I think that's the nicest ballpark I've ever seen. And then uh, just yeah, just walking around the streets been great. Yeah, absolutely. It's that kind of city. And and coming back to that after the pandemic as well. Do you have a little bucket list that has been created of things you'd like to do in the city that you haven't done yet um I, i'd really like to go to alcatraz yep. <laughs> I, yep. I, I don't know i don't know why but i've always kind of been thought that was so cool so i would love to check that out i did go to um i don't know exactly what the park is but is it golden gate state park that you could see the bridge from Just, i went yeah, over Gold, there golden gate park sure yeah yeah i went over there walked around there that was beautiful that was definitely a bucket list to check that out um, I walked around uh, Union Square, I think it is. Yep. <laughs> I'm still getting yep. used to it. Yep, <laughs> walked, around, walked around there. Um, but, no, I mean, if you have any recommendations, let me know. That's Alcatraz oh, well, is really the only thing left on the bucket list. Alcatraz is a ton of fun, and, and it sounds to me like uh, like you're getting it. Like you can remove the question marks from those places, Union Square, Golden <laughs> Gate Park. Like I, you, you got it. You got it. You're doing it. Okay. Good. Good. I'm glad. <laughs> um, that's uh, that's awesome. But you know, you say you're not sure where you want to live. Uh, you know, maybe once your career is done, do you still consider yourself an East Coast guy, or or do you think some other parts of the country have surprised you a little bit? Um, that's a good question. I mean, I consider myself an East Coast guy, but that doesn't necessarily mean i could see myself 100 percent living there for sure i mean there's definitely places on the west coast that that i love i mean like i said san francisco is awesome we just came from san diego that's a beautiful city too i mean can't beat the weather there um and then there's places in the middle of the country that i've been to because of baseball that are i really like i mean nashville is an unbelievable city even des moines iowa i was shockingly surprised at how awesome that place was (laughs) i've never been to iowa what's going on in des moines I don't know. It's like a very low-key, clean, fun city to be in. Uh, people are really nice. And uh, so, you know, I'm constantly getting surprised by new cities. So I'm, I'm pretty happy that baseball allows me to do this. Uh, I was actually going to ask you about moving around a little bit. Like, what's, uh, what's it like to be traded? You know, you, when you were traded from the Cubs to the Padres organization, what, what was that experience like? Yeah, that was that was kind of a shock. I mean, I didn't really expect it to happen. And uh, it's kind of weird. So that one was in November. I got traded. And, like, I'm on the Padres for three months before I meet anybody. Right? So you don't, it doesn't even feel real until you huh. get to spring training. But uh, it's a little little awkward day one, I would say, when, you know, you're going into a new facility. You don't know where things are, or who people are, what coaches or what. So, like, first day or two is pretty awkward. But then it kind of – everything kind of falls into place quick and you realize it's just a bunch of new guys, but the same personalities pretty much as, as the other team, you know, we're all baseball players and um, you know, it's very easy to, to get close with your teammates after a couple days. What about going back to the time of the trade, as you said, so it's in the off season. I mean, you, you don't meet anybody, but how did you get the information and how did you process it? Um, yeah, I was I was in the car driving. I can't remember where, and I got a call, and it was the Cubs farm director, and he was very. He told me I was traded. Very complimentary. Very uh, very nice about it. And then uh, 
he hung up and maybe two minutes later I had the Padres calling me, introducing themselves, telling me about the process of what they expect from me, where they expect me to play and stuff like that. So it was kind of like a, a whirlwind. It all happened really quick where, you know, Cubs are calling me one second and then my new team's calling me a second later. <laughs> well, it's a good, it's a good thing they didn't call at the same time. Would you, would you have hung up on the Cubs? It's like, come on, you just traded me. I'm going to answer the Padres. <laughs> I don't know. That's a good question. Hopefully that never happens, but yeah, I, I don't know. It was, it was weird. My head, my head was definitely spinning a little bit. Uh, what else about you? What do you like to do when you aren't playing ball? Yeah, that's a good question. I get that a lot and I'm just sports all the way through. You know, I'm kind of, when I get into the hotel room, I'm flipping on sports center or flipping on whatever games on, or, you know, I'm kind of, kind of that type of person. I like walk. I really like exploring the cities when you know we're in a different city so i'm a big morning walker when i wake up i'll get a coffee and just kind of walk around whatever city i'm in even if it's my home city um i just kind of like exploring and just getting out being a little active but yeah not too much pretty much pretty um, much walking around cities exploring and watching sports and playing yeah, sports. No, I, I yeah sounds good to me since you brought it up i always like to ask this question to people what what is your coffee order Oh, I'm so I'm very much into Starbucks. Uh, okay, and I go I go a venti cold brew black. Venti cold brew black. I always have a rule that if you use more than five words, the person behind you should be able to jump in front of you. So you did it. You did it. You only used four, four words. words. That was good. Yeah, four words. Yeah, <laughs> and I, I shouldn't even have. I feel like I shouldn't have to specify black. I think black should be right. if I just say venti cold brew, but every time I have to specify it because they go milk and sugar too, and I'm like, no, 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 just black. Got it, yeah. So that's yeah, actually, I did it. that's their fault, not yours, but, but you know, you, you have room for it anyway. So, uh, well, yeah. Jason, gosh, I, I, what, a, uh, what a wonderful story, and I know it is still unfolding. So once again, congrats on achieving the big leagues, getting your first hit, getting that ball. Much more to come. Thank you so much for doing this. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Thanks so much for listening to Inside Giant Moments, presented by T-Mobile. Don't forget to give us a rating and a review, and share this episode with your friends and family. To make sure you never miss these exclusive conversations each week, subscribe and follow the Inside Giant Moments podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Okay. Picture this, it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.